Take your Bibles this evening and we're going to go to 2 Chronicles chapter number 28. 2 Chronicles chapter 28. 2 Chronicles 28. I was going to read the entire chapter, but we've uh, we had some long-winded testimony years tonight, and uh, they did a great job, by the way, and the good music, and so I don't, I don't have time to read this entire chapter, but we're studying the kings of Israel and Judah. We're down to our last seven or eight kings in the nation of Judah. We've completed all the northern kingdom of Israel. We're down to our last seven or eight, maybe the last hundred years of their kingdom, uh, or 150 years of their, of their kingdom, the southern kingdom. And tonight we're going to look at a guy named Ahaz. Ahaz. Now, two Sundays ago we studied about his father, that there's very little content on his father. His father was Jotham back in chapter 27. Uh, you just have the nine verses there in, 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 uh, in uh, Second Chronicles 27, and the same over in Second Kings, just a brief portion of scripture on him. But he's listed as a godly king, a good king, a king that loved the Lord and followed the Lord. And, um, but the nation of Judah was not during his reign. Uh, he only reigned for 16 years. Um, and the nation does not follow him. And then prior to him was his father, Uzziah. Uh, back in chapter number 26, he reigned for 52 years over the nation of Judah. And he was a good king and still described as a good king but his last part of his reign, he messed up. And God uh, judged him. You remember he received leprosy. Uh, he was the one that went into, went into the temple and began to say he could take over and do things. And those priests stood up to him and God judged him for that. But overall, he was still a good king for the majority of his reign. And then we come to this guy named Ahaz in chapter number 28. And... Um, for whatever reason, Ahaz does not follow in the path of his father or his grandfather in the line of the godly kings of David. He chooses to follow after the kings of Israel. Look what verse number one says. Ahaz was 28 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, but he did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord his father, uh, like David his father, for he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel and also and made also molten images for Balaam. And so why did this happen? We don't know. Uh, was his father so busy ruling the kingdom that uh, he does not have time or doesn't take the time to uh, parent his son? Uh, we don't hear of a mother mentioned. Oftentimes, these godly kings had a godly mother who made that their focus to raise their children and to rear their children for the Lord. And we don't see that mentioned about Ahaz. And although he had a godly father, he, he does not go down that path. And it, and it sure did feel like it was set up on a golden tee for him. Like it was just going to be the natural progression Grandfather followed the Lord, was a godly king. Uh, father followed the Lord, was a godly king. Ahaz, but he doesn't. He made a choice to follow after the kings of Israel. Now that's the way it is for every individual, isn't it? You can have a godly family, a godly heritage, godly parents, and then a child chooses to not follow after that. We've seen it play out the other side too. 
people without godly parents, a godly heritage, and through God's grace and his providence intersects in their life, and, and they choose to follow after the Lord. Several years ago, I read an article. You know the verse in the Proverbs, Proverbs 22, verse number 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. You're familiar with that? And uh, this article was written by a pastor. I don't believe he was an independent Baptist pastor, but he was a, a, a pastor of a gospel-preaching church. He had four or five children, and um, all of his kids were raised the same way, and, and they were consistent throughout. And let's say if they had five kids, the first two uh, served the Lord, and the last two were serving the Lord, but there was this middle child in the middle that they always struggled with. He was rebellious, and he just was against them. And um, eventually it led to a life of drugs and alcohol and a poor choice one night and committed murder, and he's in prison. And this pastor used to say, Lord, how did this happen, and why did this happen? And in that particular article, they were making mention that that's a proverb, that's that's the the way that things typically would play out, but it wasn't a promise because it does rely upon individuals to make choices, to choose to follow God. I look across our room this evening, we have a lot of young people. One day, young people, you'll have to make a choice if you're going to follow God or not. This is going to be uh, an important thing in your life. And, and you've got godly parents that are directing you and guiding you, but eventually we ha- I had to make that choice, and, and, and you will as well. Ken Collier from the Wilds Christian Camp coined this phrase, I believe, that says, just two choices on the shelf, pleasing God or pleasing self. Here's this man, Ahaz, that made some choices that were all about him. And so he made a choice to follow after the gods of, of, or the kings of Israel and these false gods. And I want to give to you this evening just four thoughts on, on forsaking God and, and some thoughts there. And then there's an unlikely example of repentance in this chapter that I want to share with you of repenting towards God. And so first of all, let me just get very quickly this evening. Forsaking God begins with adding worldly ideas to the ways of God. He, he begins with not a full refusal or a few, full uh, um, uh, rebellion against God, but he tries to add some things of the world or the things of, uh, uh, that are ungodly in the ways of God. Notice with me verse 2 through 4. For he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel and made also molten images for Balaam. Moreover, he burnt incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom and burned his children in the fire after the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. He sacrificed also and burnt incense in the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. You see him beginning these things here at the beginning, and it eventually is going to end um, in verse 24 and 25 where he does away with temple worship later on during his reign. But there is a period of time in the, in the reign of Ahaz where he's trying to have a, a worship of Jehovah God, that temple is there, and also these aspects that he wanted to be a part of. And so this forsaking of God began in a process, 
began in some choices of just walking that direction. You ever see somebody start walking towards a direction, you're like, this is not going to end well? They start just making their way over this, this way, and you know that that's a dangerous place for them to be. And so I want to remind us this evening that this forsaking of God often begins with just a step in the wrong direction participating in some things. It's not a full-blown rebellion. It's not a full-blown rejection. But I'm going to involve myself in the things of the world. And this can have devastating consequences, and it certainly does in the life of Ahaz, as well as in the nation of Judah. And so this forsaking of God began with a direction, began with a slant away from God. This forsaking God is an act of selfishness. We read the verse there, verse number three, where he's involved in this this heinous religious act of putting their children through the fire. I read a little bit more on that. At times, this was, uh, we often hear about it in the worship of Moloch, um, and they would, um, they would, they take this, uh, this god that was, that was a bronze or some type of metal idol, and it was large enough, it was, it was human size, and they would build a fire underneath it. And so this, this metal god would heat up, and they would often place the children in the arms of this god and burning that child in that fashion. Sometimes they would pass it through. There was a way to pass it through where it did not kill the child, but it burnt the child. And all of these things were to try to appease a God for themselves. I'm willing to sacrifice my child in order that that God would be kind to me. And that's the kind of thing that, it's a completely selfish act, isn't it? It's putting myself, my pleasures, my desires ahead of my own child. It's hard for me to imagine that anybody could ever get to that point and place in their life, but forsaking God is an act of selfishness. It's putting yourself ahead of others, and it's all about that individual. Forsaking God involves turning to the world for help. Well, because of all these choices, problems come in the nation of Judah. If you get down to verse number 16, notice what happens here. It says, At that time did King Ahaz send unto the kings of Syria to help him. He's made a mess of the nation because of these poor choices. And so now he's asking the world for help. Look at verse 22 and 23. And in the time of his distress did he trespass yet more against the Lord, that is, that king Ahaz for he sacrificed unto the gods of Damascus which smote him and he said because the gods of the kings of Syria helped them therefore will I sacrifice to them that they may help me but they were the ruin of him and of all Israel he he began to this forsaking God involved turning to the world for help now it is true that sometimes we can go to some worldly worldly answers and they seem to be successful but that's the, the the whether it was successful or not is not a barometer if it was right or wrong there's a lot of things in the world that can get you out of difficulties and situations doesn't mean it's right we've got to come back to a biblical standard 
Is it biblical? Is it right? Is this, does this honor the Lord? And this certainly had a high price for him. Look at verse number 21. For Ahaz took away the portion of the house of the Lord, and out of the house of the king and of the princes, and gave it unto the king of Assyria. But he helped him not. He's asked the king of Assyria for help, and he gives him everything from the house of the Lord. And yet he did not help him. You go to the world for help, it's going to cost you a lot, isn't it? It's going to take away from you. And the world did not fulfill all that it said it would. Look at the last part of verse number 23. But they were the ruin of him. That's the world. That's the, the Assyria there. And of all Israel. And so turning to the world uh, as part of this forsaking of God. Of course we see here forsaking God has consequences. Verse number 5. Wherefore the Lord his God delivered him into the hand of the king of Syria. And they smote him and carried away a great multitude of the captive, captives and brought them to Damascus. And he was also delivered into the hand of the king of Israel, who smote him with a great slaughter. Verse number 19, For the Lord brought Judah low because of Ahaz, king of Israel. This forsaking God began with adding worldly ideas to the ways of God. It was an act of selfishness. Uh, it was a uh, looking to the world for help. And this forsaking God had awful consequences for, for Ahaz as well as the nation of Judah. But in this story here, there is a, uh, it's an unusual, an unexpected message here on a lesson on repentance so let me just give you three thoughts about repentance from this passage here. Notice with me in verse number 6. And we'll read down, uh, oh, well, I don't know if we'll read all the way through verse 15, but let's read for a few verses here in verse number 6. For Pekah, the son of Remali, slew in Judah 120,000 in one day which were all valiant men because they had forsaken the Lord God of their fathers. Now this Pekah is the king of Israel. It's Jewish. Their Jewish brothers have come against them. And they slew, or they kill 120,000 valiant men of Judah. And Zichri, a mighty man of Ephraim, that's the northern kingdom there, slew Messiah, the king's son, and and Azrakam, the governor of the house, and Elkanah, that was next to the king. And the children of Israel, the northern kingdom, carried away captive of their brethren of the southern kingdom 200,000 women, sons, and daughters, and took them away much spoil from them and brought the spoil to Samaria. So here's this 120,000 valiant men are killed. 200,000 captives are taken out of Judah by the nation of Israel. Now, how many good kings did the nation of Israel have in their history? Zero. Remember that? There was zero good godly kings in the nation of Israel. Every one of them be, were involved in Baal worship. Every one of them walked away from God. Every one of them. But they did have... Prophets, they did have preachers proclaiming the truth and giving this. And so here we have this ungodly people, 
this northern kingdom that's pulling away from, from the southern kingdom. But notice verse number nine. But a prophet of the Lord was there, whose name was Oded. And he went out before the host that came to Samaria and said unto them, Behold, because the Lord God of your fathers was wroth with Judah, he hath delivered them into your hand, and he hath slain them in a rage that reacheth up unto heaven. And now ye purpose to keep under the children of Judah and Jerusalem for bondmen and bondwomen unto you? But, there, but are there not with you, even with you, sins against the Lord your God? Now hear me, therefore, and deliver the captives again, and ye have taken away of your brethren, for the fierce wrath of the Lord is upon you. And certain of the heads of the children of Ephraim, Azariah the son of Johanan, and Berechiah the son of Meshulamoth, and Jezekiah the son of Shalom, and Mamasa the son of Hadai, stood up against them that came from the war. And said unto them, Ye shall not bring in the captives hither. For whereas we have offended against the Lord already, ye intend to add more to our sins and to our trespass. For our trespass is great, and there is fierce wrath against Israel. So the armed men left the captives and the spoil before the princes of all the congregation. And the men which were expressed by name rose up, and took the captives with all the spoil, clothed all the that were naked among them, and arrayed them, and shod them, and gave them to eat and to drink, and anointed them, and carried all the feeble of them upon asses, and brought them to Jericho, the city of the palm trees, to their brethren. Then they returned to Samaria. That's kind of incredible, isn't it? Here's this, 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 this army, this battle has taken place. Uh, 120,000 valiant men of Judah are killed. 200,000 captives are taken. And then Oded speaks to them when they're bringing them back. He says, you guys shouldn't be doing this. This is wrong. You shouldn't be participating in this. And this, this people stands up against it and they have a complete repentance. And they're like, you're right. And they release the people. They, they clothe them. They take them back. They, they, they bring them back. So let me give you three thoughts about repentance. I gave you the four thoughts on forsaking God. Let me give you three, pence to, uh, three points on repentance towards God. First of all, repentance means heeding or obeying the word of God, the message of God. Verses 9 through 11, Oded speaks, they hear the word of God and they obey the word of God. If you're going to have true repentance in your life, it's going to start with the word of God and you obeying God's word. God speaks to you. God convicts you. You hear that. You feel the, 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 the leading of the Lord and you obey the word of God. Repentance means acknowledging your own sin. Verse number 10. And now ye purpose to keep under the children of Judah and Jerusalem for bondmen and bondwomen unto you. But are there not with you, even with you, sins against the Lord your God? Acknowledging your own sin. Repentance requires you acknowledging that sin. And then repentance means a change in behavior. They lead them back to Jericho. They clothe them. They place them on their beast and on their animals. They take them back. They give them the spoils that they've taken from them. There is a complete change in behavior. So there's much for us to learn from this man Ahaz. 
the difficulties and the consequences of forsaking God. We've all probably experienced a loved one or somebody that's walked away from the Lord. It's an awful place to see them go, isn't it? To see them go through the difficulties and the struggles of life. But aren't you glad God is a merciful and gracious God? A loving God, a long-suffering God, that when we will truly repent and turn back to him, God is there to receive and to bring them unto himself And so I'd encourage you this evening that you would consider the consequences of forsaking God and the blessings of repenting towards God. If the Lord's touched your heart this evening, you'd respond in like fashion. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this evening. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Father, I pray tonight, God, The temptation of this world is always there to allure us away from you. Our flesh is always drawn to the things of this world. And Lord, it's a constant battle. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to see the consequence of forsaking you, of turning away from you. And Lord, if we're walking that way, we're going that way, Lord, to turn to repent and to come back towards you and to be right. Lord, I pray especially for our young people, Lord, our young adults, our young marrieds, Lord, the allure of this world is so strong. I pray, God, that you would uh, put a um, a uh, spirit within them, God, that they would see the dangers of this, Lord, that they would be committed to you, your word. I pray, God, you'd use these few moments of decision tonight, whether that's there at our pew or here at this altar, God, uh, to be uh, obedient to you and to follow as you would lead in our lives, God, in Jesus' name. As our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed as the piano begins to play. If the Lord has touched your heart this evening through the service and you want to respond, you be obedient this evening.